The Integration Station. Well, welcome back to the Integration Station, Episode 8, your go-to paediatric OT podcast run by the OTFC Group. We aim to connect parents, caregivers, therapists, teachers, health professionals and students around the world supporting children and young people with additional needs. Today, Dino and I will be chatting with Kelly Halpin, one of our amazing OTFC mums, and we'll be hearing all about her journey as a mum as she cares for her beautiful son Fletch or Fletcher and navigates a range of services and therapies to support him. Fletch is a well-known and well-loved member of the OTFC group community, and we can't wait to hear more of his amazing story and Kelly's in just a moment. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Dino. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We are so happy to finally get you in. I know, we've tried this a few times, we haven't have. we? It's great. We've made I, it before the end of the year. That's right. So, how's your week been? <laughs> Busy, but good. I think everyone's a bit frantic as we come towards the pointy end of the year with Christmas. So, um, lots of extra jobs and getting stuff done before kids go on holidays. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy season, as everyone says. And... We know that, you know, as a mum, you're quite time poor. Um, we were wondering, what what do you do to, I guess, look after yourself? And to you, how important is it to have, I guess, a network of people supporting you? Yeah, a network of people supporting not only me, but I think my family, little Fletcher, my daughter, Lily, <laughs> and also my husband, John, um, is incredibly important. I think the hardest thing for me throughout this journey has been learning to ask for help Mm. and to accept help. I'm someone that has found that really, really hard. I like to be organized, tick the dots, do everything myself. So to actually um, step back and ask ask for help um, has been one of the hardest lessons. But in doing so, I have um, found it absolutely invaluable, the support from friends, family, therapists, schools, um, the list goes on and on and it's really helped um, get through day by day. I'd like to say I'm really proactive and get up and go for a jog and sit and do <laughs> mindful activities and um, but I just I don't at the moment. Um, my downtime is reading a really trashy magazine. I love that. Love that. Um, And I got into jigsaw puzzles. I hated puzzles. And when COVID came along, I went, right, what are we going to do? And so I got the puzzle out. And the next thing I knew, it was like, see you later, Lily. (laughs) Let's up the 500 piece to the 1,000 piece. So I will sit down and, um, yeah, potter whenever I can um, with a jigsaw puzzle on. And usually there's a podcast happening in the background because Fletcher's listening to that. And I'm just busy pottering away so yeah that that has become my escape (laughs) oh that's cool have you seen the really cool like 3d crazy jigsaws at like games world no 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 (laughs) it has to be achievable i kind of feel like i can do something but yeah ravensburg yeah yeah Yeah, 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 they're pretty cool so kelly outside of doing puzzles (laughs) (laughs) what you know for the people that are going to be listening to this we want um them to get a realistic perspective of what Mm. it's like to be a parent of a child with 
multiple abilities and multiple challenges. Um, but from my perspective, I'd like to know what the best part of being a parent, particularly maybe a mum, what is it for you? For me, um, I suppose I can't say when the kids are asleep and on the couch. <laughs> Can I? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a well-earned glass of wine, can I okay. just say? Uh, I think for everyone, your life changes completely when you become a parent. Your priorities change, um, your outlook changes. and <laughs> Your tolerance your, changes. Your tolerance changes, <laughs> you're, you're tired. Um, and there's no rule book. I think you very quickly discover you have right. to make it up as you go along and you have to decide your own parameters. I think... What I discovered being a, a mum with a, a child with complex needs is there really is no rule book and there's a lot more, to, I don't know if there's more to learn, but the um, significance of finding the right answer becomes greater, important to help your child to develop or to help you understand the situation. So I think um, what I love most is of course that unconditional love um, and the surprises, the ups and the downs, the days when everything is so bad you just want to hide under a pillow. But then there are days um, when things are amazing and you just get hugs and kisses. And in fact, right now, uh, my son Fletcher is going through a stage of wanting to hug and kiss me. And there was a point when I wondered if that would ever happen. And as a mum, you have all these... You know, there's movie vision visions, there's stuff you read about, there's stuff you see. Kids hug and cuddle all the time. And that was something that I grieved for for a long time. And right now, it's something I didn't realise how much I cherish as a mum mm. is to be able to have your kids actually want to physically or emotionally connect with you. Now, it might not be the same as, as some kids. He's certainly doing it in his own unique way. But I know that um, for him, it's something really that he's trying to connect with. And I didn't realise how important that is when you have kids to feel that that connection. So mm, Touch is so powerful. Like, I mean, just from a clinical perspective, I've learned at uni about, um, I guess, the bond between mother and child and touch. And it's, yeah, it's really bonding, isn't it? It's, Super important. It's the first, I guess it's the first point of connection that... Um, you know, in, in the real world that a child has, and that's obviously directly with their mother. So, you know, not, you know, not being able to see that develop naturally could be very um, difficult for, for a parent, more yeah. so than the child. They just exist the way they, they, they think know. is natural for yeah. them. So, you know, I, I think we had that conversation, Kelly, many times that Fletcher might not achieve those goals or those steps in this neurotypical way, but mm. he certainly is achieving them in his own time and in his own way. So, yep, you know, so you keep ticking, keep yeah. ticking that box on the right-hand side. Yeah. Do you think um, maybe we should tell everyone, I'll tell everyone a little bit about Fletcher so they understand yeah, a, what, what, what his complex needs are. So he's vision impaired and he's been given a, a little diagnosis called optic nerve hyperplasia, which means that um, the message from the eye to the brain is mixed up. And we found that out at about six months. But since then, he's also been diagnosed with autism and an intellectual delay. Um, so there's a lot rolling on his little world and um, there's a lot of challenges every day. And so just what you were emphasising and talking about with the touch, I remember the first 
the first thing where I knew something wasn't right was that as a baby he wasn't looking at me. Um, there was no eye contact and um, his hands weren't grasping or, or wanting to, to try and touch or, or feel anything for me. So I knew then that something something wasn't right um, ages ago with that mm. that side of things. But yeah, so he's um, he's got his little challenges, but yeah, that might just help. And so the, the, the complexity was early on, babies really don't do a great deal. No. Um, it's only when they start to hit those points of, you know, are they starting to uh, l develop crawling and preparing for walking and then speech develops that you start to identify that potentially something's not um, developing in the typical way. And so you've also had a lot of health professionals um, and specialists who have had their opinions about Fletcher's diagnosis and his so it hasn't been an easy pro no, an easy pathway yeah, to get it here. certainly hasn't I remember um, Dino having many conversations with you and other specialists about the fact maybe it's his eyesight maybe because he can't see as well um, that is actually hindering uh, his ability to reach those milestones because there's something I had totally forgotten is how much you learn from observing people and in particular um, people's reactions to what you're doing. So I remember when he was, oh, I would have been about eight months and we were doing kinder music and all the bubs were sitting around in a circle and he fell flat over onto his face and I could hear every mum and everyone going <gasps> and then he popped straight back up as if nothing happened and I realised he couldn't see or hear or understand everyone's horror that he'd fallen flat on his mm -hmm. face and he wasn't in the least bit upset and didn't cry and wasn't concerned at all he just continued along and I thought oh wow he hasn't learnt that reaction of, of you know fear and concern um, which is something that a lot of well it's something you learn only through sight um, and that, that made me really aware that um, without without that vision it was going to be a longer harder road and um, it was only this year Dino you said that there was a video which I haven't been able to look at yet that you had a Fletcher when we first met him um, and he was literally like this little blob wasn't he just lying there he was just, just lying on the anything. on the well not lying he was sitting half sitting and half on the side and he would he'd rotate on the spot remember yeah. he'd just move around I don't know whether that it felt good to Fletch and nice. so he did that yeah. but it, it certainly wasn't something that I would expect because um, how old was he at the time he would have been about just 12 months. 12 months and I think as you're saying we thought then oh he's yeah. a baby babies don't do anything yeah and didn't really understand the true it was, it was probably at about two to two and a half years of age that the, the greater concerns were yeah. there and I think early on the the potential for possible autism spectrum disorder diagnosis may have been there but because there was greater complexity around his eyes and you know then he started to develop language and so he had expressive yeah. skills but they weren't typical either so yeah. but then he was able to do things and showed progression and it was improving and then we started to say well maybe it's just vision related so I guess from our perspective sometimes we don't know and I think that's really important to be able to be okay with with having 
you know, that opinion to say, I don't actually know what's happening with your child, but I do know they need help. Mm. And I know that, know that what we can do to support and facilitate development, but we don't know what the overarching diagnosis of a con- or condition might be. But we, we need to keep working towards development and progression. And I always talk about rate of progression and yeah. seeing those changes in sort of three and six month blocks, which um, is not always easy to see with Fletcher. No, and I think, I think as a, a parent of a complex needs kid, that was just one of the biggest learning discoveries for me because initially it was all so hooked up on finding a diagnosis. Mm. It's and that would so be the answer. Let's find the answer, let's yeah. fix the problem. And then it became clear that if you had a diagnosis, you could tick boxes. And that was sort of important when it came to paperwork and funding and having access to certain um, services and providers. So you wanted to be able to do that. And then as the journey went along, three, four years, we still weren't ticking boxes. It was getting more complicated. Uh, but I started to relax and realise exactly what you're saying, Dino. Would anything really change if we had a diagnosis at this point? Would we go, yay, we're going to stop OT and start doing more physio? No, we're not, because the people I've got around Fletcher, um, we really trust and respect their opinion, and they've taught us to, to learn and watch him slowly develop. And I think going back to that initial question about having a support network around you, it's really important because they're the individuals that aren't so emotionally attached and can sit sit back and say, hey, do you remember it's taken seven months to get here? You might not be able to see the advancement because you're living it day to day, but I've been able to see that. And I think that's, for me, was a big mind, uh, what do you call it, change switch Mm -hmm. to go, oh, okay, it's not actually about saying to everyone, he's got this. Fletch might have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but we're not really sure, but he's still slowly progressing and these is these are his own personal challenges. Sounds I sound really eloquent now saying that, but it was an emotional roller coaster <laughs> getting to that. It's taken yeah, it's not easy initially. Um it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard. But um we actually do now have a diagnosis uh, this year. He was finally diagnosed, and I've, I've written it down. This is yes. how insignificant it is. I've written it down. <laughs> it's called um, bosch boonstra Sharper optic atrophy syndrome. Wow. He's one of 55, and yep. in fact, it wasn't even discovered when he was born. Now, we're so talking one of 55 in the world. In the world, yeah. yeah. So this isn't one of 50. This is, yeah, yeah. This is, this this is quite is a rare, rare... Rare, rare disease. Yeah. Um, rare disease. And um, I think, Dino, we said to you, it was the first time he'd actually ticked the boxes. Wow. Um, I yeah. couldn't believe it. When my husband read out the list of um, conditions all the way down to a love of podcast and music, I was like, oh my gosh, they're every box. He ticks every box. I was stunned. Mm. Um, So we got this great piece of paper. We all went, yay. And then we went, so now what? Keep going. Nothing changed at all. Um, Perhaps I was more emotionally ready to get a piece of paper that said, there is no solution. This is what he has, but at this point, there's no um, diagnosis result. Or maybe in the earlier years, I could not have coped with that. But um, it doesn't change who the little person is, and it doesn't 
change what you do in their, in their world. It might make paperwork easier, but there is still a way around to get that paperwork without the diagnosis. Mm, and I think just that in itself would be such an encouragement to so many of my families and mm. um, some of our parents at OTFC. I think we've talked about it before on previous episodes, but I do think the NDIS has, um, yeah, I guess made us think that we always have to have a piece of paper, but maybe not necessarily that's going to be the answer or the solution. And I think, as you said before, um, that support network is so key to that. And um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about that because I think Fletch, he has he has a team, doesn't he? Yeah, we call it Team Fletch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a whole team of different um, yeah services and clinicians. And I would just love to know a little bit more about um, his support team and what that looks like and how that has um, helped not just Fletch but yourself and the whole family. Yeah, uh, it's been an interesting journey, that's for sure. And I think it, it began all the way back at six months when we had our first diagnosis of optic nerve hyperplasia. And um, that was a definitive. We had an MRI, so we had a, an image, and um, we were told this is, this is what he has. But within that, there's a thousand nerves, and we're not really sure how much he can see. It could be colour blindness, it could be short vision, long vision, acuity perspective um, and we won't know until he's old enough to tell you but there you go so we were sort of left rocked going what what does that actually mean so because the eyesight was the first area we discovered we hooked into a service called Vision Australia and then they um, helped us here in Adelaide with Guide Dogs um, SA and uh, they have helped with the vision side of things and we've worked with them um, continuously uh, on orientation and also just stimulating the eye. So I remember uh, the early days when he was like six, seven, 12 months, we had black and white pictures everywhere. And it was a crash course in finding uh, kids' picture books that weren't pretty and bright and busy and colorful. I didn't realize just how complicated kids' picture books can be. So um, Fletcher needed really simple, bold, clear imagery. Um, so we ended up printing lots of stuff off the internet and we had A4 posters all around the skirting boards because he wasn't crawling. He was on his back, he was a back scooter. Um, so we started with uh, vision and then we decided um, it was time to get a really good paediatrician. And so we were lucky enough to get um, Anthony Kitty he was a flat, is Fletcher's paediatrician and he started to refer us to uh, Dino initially um, and then uh, OT was something that I had never, what's OT? Occupational therapy. It's like, oh, I thought you helped people after they were sick or had strokes. I had no understanding that there was this whole field for kids and then through discussions um, with Dino I discovered there's physiotherapy and there's speech therapy and then there's feeding therapy and I suddenly um, with my husband we had this crash course in learning 
we don't come from the medical profession. So we had this crash course and learning all these terms and allied health. What's allied health? I thought we just had doctors and GPs. So it was a discovery on what allied health meant and what each profession could do. And it became very clear that Fletcher was going to need all this as, as we continued. And so we've been really clear in ensuring we can find the right people who are happy to talk together and share ideas. Um, and it's taken a while to find the right team. And um, we've been on many wait lists trying to get the, the group together or we've had fabulous people and for whatever reason they've had to move on. Um, and I think just that ability to find, first of all, the therapist that you trust and respect um, and you know they have Fletcher's best interest at heart, so they will tell you the hard things that you don't want to hear is the most important part. And then that they are prepared to talk to each other because it's no use doing something in speech if OT isn't trying to demonstrate that verbally as well. And it's no use learning about jumping if Fletcher doesn't know the word to jump. So it wasn't until we worked out that having everyone on the same page was going to be um, far more beneficial uh, than, than not. And I suppose I took it upon myself to champion that and to really try and encourage and share information with everyone as much as I can. And I think, um, just a little, a little story, but I, I remember um, with, with Dina, it would have been about three years we would go to OT with Fletcher and all we did, sometimes all we did in session was Fletcher would try and find stairs. So how do you describe the stairs? They're just They're a, a foam set a of foam three set steps of stairs. stairs. That's yeah. all they are. Yeah. And that, that could be the session. Like Fletcher would be left in the room to find these stairs. And it, he, just, he just couldn't do it. And I thought it would never happen. And then um, we started with a new um, OT, Eleanor, at OTFC group. And um, it was like session three, Eleanor said, Fletch, find the stairs. And we had two lots of foam stairs together making a block. And I thought, there's no way, what is she thinking? There's no way he's gonna find the stairs. Not only did he find the stairs, he pulled the stairs apart <laughs> and climbed them. And Eleanor just continued along and I went, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. <laughs> Eleanor, you have no idea. That has taken three years for that 60 seconds. I have to go and I have to let Dino know. So wow. I have found being able to share those moments with those that have done the journey from the start is really important because it's exciting that some people can come in at the end and see the end product but they have not had that long journey and and it's really nice for you as the family to be able to have those little moments of celebration because they are so few and far between that when they do come and they will come and they do come and you just think they won't come and then they do to actually make the most of it. And that's just, you know, one of my favorite things, these silly little stairs, and then suddenly one day just did it. And they, they weren't silly at the time. I, I, think the, I think the one that was the hardest moment was the tire when I put <sighs> the inner tube and uh, I think Fletcher would have been three. Yeah. And I put him in the inner tube, which is not a difficult thing to get out of and he couldn't get out of it and it was, mm. I could see Kelly was on the on the chair wanting to get up and help him and I said you have to stay there he has to work this out himself and I was trying to coach him through and we didn't get there that day 
Right. And he was ter- he was incredibly frustrated because he had some I think he had some words by then, but they were very limited, and it it was a difficult day. Yeah. But then when we had two and three ties stacked on two years later, and he was getting out, and I was worried that he was wasn't being as safe as he could be. <laughs> but I went, wow, that's it's a far cry. And now I understand for a six year old doing that, they do it. The parent would say that's an expectation that they they didn't even consider mm. Mm. but for a child with developmental delays like that's like that's like climbing Everest mm. and those yeah, those Everests exist everywhere yeah. and I, I think the important point to make Kelly is that it's for the parents that un, I understand or I, I can't begin to understand how difficult it would be but can you talk about like needing to continue and keep persisting and 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 carrying on with therapy sometimes when you feel is this making any difference because what i understand is the longer term therapy always yields the greatest outcomes and it's sometimes when families give up for one or two years that you're missing great opportunities so what's kept you going in over these years because Fletcher is now how many? How old is Fletcher now? He's now eight. Eight. He's and, now eight. And, and we started. You think that's seven, seven years? Months. Yeah. Okay, seven and a half years. Seven and so, a half years. what makes you and John and Lily continue on this journey? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a roller coaster. There are days when it's hard to get out of bed, and the last thing I want to do is um, is therapy, but. I'm also really aware um, how important this this term early intervention is. And again, I had no idea what that meant, but seeing the development of Fletcher and by putting the time and effort in, even on those times when you think it's just not going anywhere, I found that um, being able to talk and listen to the therapist and trust trust in them and trust their opinion and listen to their stories um, and just trying to find the smallest thing that may have changed and and willing that to continue um, was was really important and I think at about this point I, I did start I, I stopped looking on the internet I didn't allow myself to do that anymore it was like a rabbit hole and it was getting overwhelming but at about five years I started to try and educate myself a bit more by listening to podcasts and reading a little bit more and discovering it's not just complex needs kids um, it's all kids all kids need that routine that persistence that um, encouragement um, particularly when things get hard to continue continue going and I realized that was kind of my job as a parent actually was um, to continue to encourage uh, both Fletcher and Lily to to do stuff that they didn't didn't want to do Um, and I think what's continued working is is being able to sit back and talk about the things that he has managed to achieve and I said there's a very select few I can probably count the people on one hand who have actually lived this journey from the start to today and can really appreciate that. Um, 
And they're so important. It's so important to have those people to remind you that there has been development to keep going, to hang in there. So I really encourage everyone to try and share those stories, whether it be your neighbour or your therapist or your best friend or your child's therapist or school teacher, someone that um, can really be there in those times when you start to waver and remind you that it really is making a difference. And it really has. I, I hate to think where we would be. I mean, we, we didn't think Fletcher would walk. We didn't think he would talk. We didn't think he would jump. I mean, these are... These are basic milestones, unfortunately. And now, now he's doing hero jumps. He jumps from tops of chairs by himself. It's it's actually races dangerous. around on a scooter. What he's doing now, yeah, it's. He's... I I just would never have dreamt that possible. And um, I think also I was protecting myself. I didn't want to dream. I didn't want to think the what ifs. And that's okay. I I realise it's okay to do that. You don't have to be brave all the time I think there's this expectation as a complex um, needs mum or dad that you have to either be brave and bravado or keep going or you're um, uh, you know okay, that you're struggling and you I'm need getting the all help. emotional yeah. now I'm, I'm giving them a cut, cut sign because I'm getting emotional it's, see, it's still really but that's emotional real, Kelly. It's people hard. have to understand that it's your journey really is hard it, it's it's yes. at a really, I, I would, yeah. I see it as a, an amazing place. And yeah, that amazing yes. place means that Fletcher will also be transitioning in his school placement as well. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, that hasn't been an easy progression either. But I'm looking at that with absolute optimism because I know what an amazing yeah. school that he's going to. And I know how much that's going to support yeah. the next phase of his learning and academic yeah. progression and how much he'll enjoy that. Yeah. But for a parent to transition from a mainstream school setting mm. with a lot of support to a special school setting, give us the honest, the honest feeling of what that's like. Um, the initial thoughts. The initial thoughts were, um, yeah, what were they? Panic. The initial thoughts were panic. What's going on? Why? 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 I've put every week, every hour into therapy, into trying to ensure this doesn't happen. Um, and then the next thoughts are, what am I talking about? Try to ensure it doesn't happen. Every child is different. It doesn't just have to be about a person with complex needs. Everyone has problems at some point. Um, and then I always go back, and my husband, we always go back to, what do we want for Fletcher? to be happy, hmm. to contribute some way to the community. We don't know what that is yet. I used to think I had to know what that was, but now I realize I don't. I just want him to be happy and um, to fit in some way, in some form that he feels like he's, he's giving something back. Once I calmed down and realized that, I was able to step back and go, you know what, this, um, Someone introduced me to a fabulous word, which was pivot. We're just going to pivot at the moment. This isn't a full stop. We are now pivoting towards um, a different path. And let's see where that takes us. And when we get to the end, we might pivot back or we might pivot again in a different direction. Um, but for now, this is the best thing for him. Um, 
my head is telling me that my heart is racing to catch up um mm. my my husband is is fantastic he's on board he's absolutely driven this um i have been lagging on this one um my daughter is amazing she has been so supportive and so excited for her little brother and um can see the opportunities uh ahead for him so um i'm listening to their stories and i'm listening to the dinos and and the gps who are so excited that this opportunity has come up and i'm just again trying to take that information on board and go okay listen listen to them you've you've established this team for a reason so that when you get to these hard hard decisions that you can barely face yourself um you've got the information in front of you you can make a clear decision and and go for it and decisions been made now and i just i just want to get on with it i want to get on with next year i want to get moving and i want to help um help this new path for him i think that's important you you said that you've used the supports and the ex and the mm. experts around you to make the decision that you and john have made the decision and i think that's the most important thing if anybody takes from today's podcast mm. it's it should always be the parents of that young person that make the decision. You should never feel forced and you should never feel out of complete control. Um, and th- I guess that's what we always hope for, that you always make the decision. We'll support what decision you make, but you should always, always make that decision. You're the expert on your child. And mm. I think, um, well, when I've been in supervision, I think that's one of Uh, the most powerful lessons that Dino has taught me as a young therapist is that it's not me necessarily advising the parent. It's me working together as a team with the parent. It's about me listening and learning from parents um, and about, I guess, yeah, just that, that relationship. And I've heard you say the word so many times today, that trust, that's Mm. so central. And yeah, I definitely see that in your relationship with Dino and, um, Yeah, I guess circling back to what you said about pivoting, I think that is so powerful because something that I've heard from some of my parents in the past is that I guess where where expectations of what development looks like is that linear, this milestone, then to this milestone, but that's not necessarily how it works with every child. So just, yeah, taking that step back and, yeah, celebrating those really little wins is just really powerful, I think. I think for, I think, like from, you know, you 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 obviously talk about how thankful you are to be, uh, to have the the team that's around you. But don't um, disregard how important Fletcher is and mm. how you are to therapists. And mm. and I've worked with Fletcher for many years, but then ha- there was a period where I said, I think he needs to work with somebody else for his development. Mm. It was the hardest decision mm. as a therapist to make because. I saw Fletcher as my, he was my client and that's mine and I don't w- want to give him up. And it, it's very hard to step back. Um, I'm, I'm a part of the, the broader support group of ensuring that his school placement and his needs in various settings are supported. But I, I think it's a, like it's such a, um, a rewarding experience for therapists. We do also take from the interaction. And so you're giving and Fletcher is giving to each of the therapists that he works with and they are the luckiest people to have Mm. that opportunity because 
I, I can't express enough, Kelly, how much my day is improved when I see Fletcher, whether mm. it's at the school climbing on their, <laughs> on their piece of new <laughs> equipment that they don't want him to climb on because they think he's going to fall, and I just go, you go for it. And, or even when he's not in the best mood and he can express that he's sad, even though those times I'm, it's rewarding to see him not... You know, not from the perspective that I like to see him upset, but to know that you're a part of his life. It's very, it is very difficult for for therapists to move on as well from children. But um, you need to understand that that's a very important part of our journey as as therapists who, and it's important for, it's been important for my longevity um, in in working with children too, because otherwise you don't, I I don't think I would have lasted as long as if it wasn't for for the Fletchers that have, uh, yeah. have been in my life as well you know yeah, it's part of my he's part of and you are part of my what I call my work family yeah it's yeah. um it's certainly a two-way street and I think that's what I would say to families out there if you're not feeling that two-way street get on another wait list shop around find the right person because mm-hmm. when you do it is exceptional and you do become a, a working family it is extraordinary and the ideas that flow and to be able to say, oh, I don't know. It's like, oh, a therapist that's going to be honest is fantastic. Now we can work together to find a solution. That it's hasn't just, always been easy, being honest. It's, it's, yeah. Like, it's, let's be honest. Yeah, like, it's, the, people want to hear that. Know, you know, we we have a, a great relationship. This is textbook yeah. answer, but it's okay to say I don't know. Let's let's find a solution. Let's work together. Because um, every child is unique. Every child is different, and they don't tick the boxes and they don't always tick the you know what you learn at uni boxes either and I think um, that's the biggest thing I've learned in talking with all of Fletcher's team is how to someone might have a great idea I'll feed that back and they'll go oh yeah I didn't think of that take this idea back Um, or there might be times when we all just laugh and go that was so bad forget that let's uh let's revisit that another day so I think um that's really important. So if you're not feeling that, um, yeah, shop around. There's lots of different people out there. And again, um, it's about your child. They have to connect with a therapist to begin with. If they don't, it ain't gonna work. You might adore the therapist and be on their wavelength and understand, but if your child's not connecting, it's just not going to work. So you have to, you have to sacrifice that connection you might have with the individual and try someone else because I think you'll be delightfully surprised when you find the right person that your child connects with. Things can really start to click. Um, and I think sometimes people might go, oh, I'm gonna to go to this person because they're the best in town or they've got the longest wait list or this is who my GP said or so-and-so mm. said they're the one. And I've done that, I've been there and I've gone, this is not right. This person does not work for Fletcher at all. They work like me. They're great. They got lists. We tick them. Fabulous. But it's just not going to happen. So um, I think that was one of the hardest things was to go. Actually, it's not about me. It's mm-hmm. about um, Fletcher and who he clicks with. I think we need to revisit this uh, mm. this scenario. So it's okay to do that. Mm. And I think um, I like I know that whenever. Fletch walks into the doors at OTFC Adelaide. He's just his whole body lights up and it's almost like he, yeah, he's going to his safe place and it's really beautiful to see him interact not just with Eleanor and Dino but the other staff. And um, I think I hear on the great 
grapevine that clients, he's been working. <laughs> yeah, later clients. That's so exciting yeah. for us. There you yeah. go. So yeah, he's striding in and going up to little ones and saying, "What's your name?" I know, mm. and oh, that wow. that that interaction with other people, and I guess that preparation for his transition to our next site as well in a shared space which is just huge yeah that's going to be a big big step as well yeah. for him yeah a big step so we're looking forward to that next year coming to this amazing facility and um, starting a new journey in therapy so instead of that quiet room where it's one-on-one he'll be in with some other kids developing those social interactions and um you know, Dina and I have chatted, that could go really pear-shaped mm-hmm. and then we'll just have to but think of solutions or it, he could fly, it could be the best thing. But I'm not going to know until we do it. So, And he's ready. He's certainly yeah, ready for it. He absolutely is. So, yeah. yeah, we're excited. That's super exciting. Well, um, I think there's probably another 100 questions I'd probably like to <laughs> ask you, but um, I think we should wrap it up soon. And I really wanted to finish with a question which, um, yeah, it could be a really hard question to answer, but I think a really powerful question for our listeners and other parents to uh, hear. And it is, if you could go back in time to the start of your journey and Fletcher's journey, um, what, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself, Kelly? It will be okay. Hmm. It might not be the journey you want or the path you thought it would be Mm. but it will be okay you'll be okay he'll be okay it will be okay and you will meet some amazing individuals along the way and really discover some beautiful true people Um, and I'm really grateful for that Uh, I've certainly shifted our our lifestyle to um, help support Fletcher and in doing so yeah have really met some incredible people along the way and I think that that's something to be happy about and it it wouldn't have happened otherwise Um, I'm not going to lie it's not easy I'd love to say to everyone out there oh it gets easier Mm. It, it doesn't but I think you become more resilient and you're more prepared for the roller coaster so when you're up you make the most of it and when you're down that's okay you can always start again the next day Um, and it's not linear that's for sure and I think as soon as you are prepared to accept that um, you can have quite a um, calm happy moment with everyone (laughs) so well said Mm. I'm a bit speechless <laughs> I'm sure Fletcher will have something to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. <laughs> yes, well, we just wanted to thank you so much, Kelly, for giving up your time this afternoon and sharing a story, as I said before, that has not in any way been easy, but has been so powerful to hear. And um, yeah, it's it's honestly been a privilege to hear your story and John's story and Fletcher's story and Lily's story. And so. Um, yeah, Dino and I just really wanted to thank you, not just for today and for sharing, but for being such a, a special part of our community here at OTFC. Um, and yes, I have to say, Fletch is actually one of the podcast's biggest fans. So could you just explain? I'm not sure if I even explained to our listeners, but 
um, there is a reason that I give Fletch a shout out at the end of each of our episodes. Could you elaborate? At a very early age, because he couldn't see, everything Fletcher learnt or grasped was um, auditory. Mm-hmm. And so we've been listening to podcasts for many, many years. Usually the um, Stephen Fry podcasts on the greatest years or oh, wow. uh, philosophy podcasts. Um, and he was very excited when he heard Dino's voice on his podcast. So part of the bed night ritual is to listen to... Uh, because he is on the spectrum, he loves repetition mm. and it calms him. So we listen to the same podcast over and over again and then we turn it off and he walks around and does the podcast by himself. So he will do it word for word as he walks up and down the hallway. So wow. what you've just said. So um, he waits for that. Sometimes I have to fast forward because it's like it is bedtime. We are yeah. not listening to 30 minutes. And then I get told off if I don't stop it in the right spot because he knows word for word. Mm-hmm. And then you say uh, what you say, uh, which is a good old shout out to Fletcher. And uh, off he goes to bed and we turn it off. So oh, um, so beautiful. I'm sure oh, you're so sick of hearing my voice though. But... <laughs> Yeah, I love you and I think this is an incredible um, idea you guys have come up with doing these podcasts. But, um, yeah, there are days when, uh, and, you know, ironically, so Dr. Kitty's been on and Kerry Burke is Fletcher's psychologist. So he has just been so excited hearing all these voices he knows and I haven't told him I'm doing this. (laughs) Well, yes, I'm sure um, he is going to be thrilled and I thought it would only be appropriate if you could please do the shout out for this episode. Is that okay, Kelly? Fletcher, this is mummy. And yes, she is a girl. Shout out to Fletch. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Kelly. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. I just wanted to take a moment to thank all our listeners for their support of our first ever season of the Integration Station this year. This podcast was a dream, it was an idea on paper um, and it came to life uh, with the support of Dino and Michelle and all of the leadership team at the OTFC group. So I just want to thank everyone for their support. Um, I've been blown away by the thousands of listeners from around the world. We have listeners in Brazil, in the UK, in the US, all around the world. And um, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity to, yeah, just help facilitate a platform to advocate for children and young people with additional needs and with disabilities. And um, I just, yeah, I'm so thankful for your support. And I really hope that we can continue to come back in 2022 with a bit of a bang. So watch out for more episodes next year.